welcome to this edition of the Best of Fives. This episode's subject is King Kong. I am Matt, and joining me in this special episode is my good friend, fellow podcaster, and one of the driving forces behind, oh, I'm sorry, driving forces and namesakes behind one of my favorite podcast networks, Two True Freaks. Please welcome Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? This is your first news ass show, isn't it? Oh my lord, it is. Isn't I think it? it is, and that's entirely my fault. Entirely my fault. Everyone has probably heard your name. If they haven't heard your name, they've got to have heard Two True Freaks. We talk about it every chance I get, especially when we do our Star Wars show. When the comic comes, comics come up, I always say, "Oh, I knew that story because I learned it on Star Wars Monthly Monday." Because your your uh, Marvel indexing coverage is what hooked me on. Actually, what introduced me to your show and hooked me. And in fact, it was Star Wars. Not, wow, I'm walking down memory lane and I'll try it. Star Wars is what introduced us. It was outside celebration as we were crossing paths between our panels. Right, right. That's yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Yeah, I saw the t-shirts and said something, and then I think you guys came to the panel, didn't you? Yeah, or you, yeah, you came to the pan, our panel, didn't you? Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. no, I feel terrible. I didn't go to yours. We were all these uh, years we later. Were hanging out. <laughs> we were hanging out way at the back, <laughs> as I recall. But yeah, I remember uh, checking it out because we knew each other. And I think you were listening to us at the time, and I think Chris had listened to Swick. Oh, okay. I, I hadn't at that time. So it's like I knew you like through reputation, and I think we had maybe had some correspondence. I can't remember. But that was about it, you know? So I remember being at the back and... You know, of course, understanding the subject matter you were discussing, but not really understanding the, the context of the of the presentation that you were putting on, if you know mm, what I mean. Yes, I do. Yes. But, but just I remember being really impressed with it and going, damn, these guys are really, you know, because you worked a crowd. That, <laughs> that's a, that was a great, uh, you know, just a great time. Everybody was so excited and everything. Whereas ours, in retrospect, was was rather academic in comparison, I think. You know? <laughs> No, I wish I'd I'd wish I'd seen that because I'd seen a kind of a uh, uh, what would I say the next generation of that because you had met that's where you met Scott Rifen right yeah wow, it's amazing Scott right in the front row yeah, yeah all these all these people that we're now involved with on various projects all lead back to celebration tonight but you know, my point is I saw your uh, an altered uh, or I guess not altered uh, the next generation of that presentation at uh, another convention Conjure where we we all right. all knew each other and I was there to support and and watch as well and that was a that was one of my favorite. I guess, like you'd say, academic type panels that I think I'd ever gone to. It wasn't dry. Right. It was interesting, and it actually gave me some ideas for our show by the time it was in. <laughs> it's funny because I've often told uh, Chris Honeywell, uh, my co-host for Two True Freaks, I've often told him, you know, we really need to stop going to conventions because we keep pick- picking up strays every time <laughs> exactly, we do. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> But no, that was a that was a really good time. God, I can't believe that was as long ago now as it I was. That, yeah, it's crazy. We were just talking about that on one of our shows, but that's I'm not even gonna rehash that because it just makes me feel older. The <laughs> faster time goes by. <laughs> well, we're not here to talk about Star Wars or conventions or panels. We are here to talk about King Kong. Now, when I had this idea, first, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. First and foremost, this is a complete. Take advantage, ride the coattails of episode of the upcoming attraction at Universal Studios Orlando Resorts, Islands of Adventure. If you don't know about it, we've been reporting it on News As for months now. Skull Island is all but done and ready to open. It's their newest King Kong attraction. 
the more I read about it, the more excited I get about it. And I knew I wanted to do at least one special, if not a series of specials involving King Kong. And the first person I thought of to invite was you, Scott, because I know we have talked, King Kong has come up in a lot of conversations we've had. We never had an in-depth conversation, but the fact that something that specific comes up in a lot of things we talk about, I knew you must be a big fan. So what (laughs) is your history or fandom with King Kong? It's, you know, it's, it's funny. I have a hard time remembering exactly, you know, it's much like a lot of things I think like from our generation growing up, you know, that were just kind of quintessentially always there, like Mm. say Superman and Spider-Man and Batman and something where you have to kind of struggle. Like when, when did I remember even hearing about that? Or was it just kind of always there? But I think the the two probably the two biggest influences for me with Kong was for one it was the seventy six movie, which I remember when like say like the tops trading cards came out and all the promotional materials and probably commercials on TV and what and there were posters and all of that and I was really uh, fascinated by this you know by the imagery of it because they were just gorgeous posters and everything. But for some reason, uh, I I didn't get to go to it. I don't know if it's my parents weren't interested or they didn't think I could handle it or what, but I I distinctly recall uh, not going to see that one. And I I really don't know why we didn't go, because typically if I bugged my parents enough, they would take me to whatever (laughs) movie it was I wanted to go. And but I know I didn't actually get to see that one in the theater. But I saw it later when it came to network television. But I remember seeing the uh, the original Kong, the 33 Kong on TV. And I'd probably seen it prior to when the 76 one was coming along. I'd probably seen it on, you know, like a like a weekend matinee on TV or like maybe late night on Creature Feature. Or something. Mm-hmm. At yeah, some right. point, I had seen it on television. Because you got to remember, by the time you know, that the 76 one was coming along, you know, that movie was then 40 some years old. So, you know, it it played uh, fairly frequently on television, kind of like, you know, how back then, like Wizard of Oz would play every year or whatever. And I remember Kong would come around every so often, um, you know, as part of like monster, you know, one of those monster presentations. Because I can remember there being a lot of uh, weekend stuff like that where they would play like King Kong or uh, the Godzilla movies yeah. or, you know, any of the old black and white universals or any of that sort of thing. So I'm pretty sure that was probably my first exposure to Kong was, you know, TV reruns of the original movie. But then the, the biggest influence was definitely the 76 movie when I eventually did get to see it. And that, that was either network television or HBO, one of the two, mm, okay. probably HBO now that I think about it. And that just had a tremendous impact on me. I've, I've always been, you know, a, a big fan uh, of that particular version. That's listening to your story is, you've hit a lot of the notes I had to go into my story. So it's uh, there. I'm not going to say they're identical, but they're very similar, which makes sense. We have, we found, we have similar interests. We're, we're close in age. And a lot of what you said is exactly the same. I, I, I remember having been part of the, the fever of 1976 con merchandise was everywhere. I got yep. my hands on it yet. Never saw it in the theaters. 
mm-hmm. which I find really strange that my parents wouldn't take me because it was a PG movie, which I found almost as strange considering having now seen it. I mean, if they're he does take Jessica Lange's dress off, if I'm not mistaken, in the waterfall, does he not? I mean, not well, gratuitously, but right, yeah, he he kind of plays around with her a bit, like he's like he's trying to. And what's strange is I'm pretty sure that there are two cuts of that scene. Okay, only I because I remember the the HBO version and the version that I had on VHS tape for a long, long time where he would like take her top down, but she kind of caught gotcha. it in time to where you didn't actually see anything. But I remember in a lot of the uh, like magazine articles, I don't know what it was, you know, famous monsters or whatever. There were alternates, like alternate takes of that same scene where she was clearly topless. Yeah. And you didn't necessarily, again, you didn't necessarily see anything, but it was like from different angles and oh, okay. stuff gotcha. than what's actually in the film. So it made me wonder, like, maybe is there a, you know, were there deleted scenes or is there an alternate cut? Because that used to happen a lot with movies back in the 70s and 80s where sometimes there'd be slight variations in the way they would play depending on which prints you yes, were watching yep. in the area that it was released in you know, f- when it was out theatrically kind of thing. Yeah. And I always used to wonder if that might be the case with that particular scene in, that, in King Kong. That, that could be actually, the, uh, now I'm kind of re- talking myself out of this because I was going to combine that with the violence. There was some blood, but then I realized PG-13 did not exist in 76. So nope. really, they only had a choice between the two. So even if they did, uh, I'm sure my imagination is is more than what happened on screen, especially at that age. Uh, I'm sure if there was anything a little uh, skin wise, not to make this a top five Mister Skin best of fives, <laughs> although that could that could work in a future episode. But uh, that would be fun. <laughs> I I forgot. I'll, that, I'll come back for that. Okay. One. <laughs> I forgot there was there was no choice between PG and R. So now it makes more sense. I'm talking myself out of that last comment. Well, they got away with a hell of a they, lot they of stuff for a PG movie back in they those did. days. Yep. They yep. do now because if you ever watch um, Slapshot, I remember getting into a, a polite argument with somebody. This was a few years ago over whether or not Slapshot was a PG or an R-rated movie. And they kept mm-hmm. arguing with me that, it, no, 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 that movie is rated R. And I'm like, look, dude, I'm telling you, for one thing, I've seen the movie a million times. I can practically quote it to you. But for two, I worked in video for umpteen years. I'm telling you, that <laughs> right, is a yep. PG-rated movie. And they're like, no, there's no way that movie is rated PG. It's got the F word in it. It's got all this other stuff. It's got sex. It's got nudity. It's got all this stuff. There's no way that that movie is rated PG. And I'm telling you, that is a PG movie. And you watch it today knowing that it's PG and it ju- it's shocking. It's like, wow, they got away with a yeah. lot of stuff that would get a hard R. Yeah, today. exactly. Yeah. Yep. So actually, it does make more sense. And my parents probably investigated it the best they could back then without having the internet and decided I should probably not see that movie. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, that's one of those things my, my, they've probably long since forgotten. But, I, you know, next next time I get into a discussion w- about movies with my dad, I'm going to ask him if he remembers by some miracle <laughs> why they didn't take me to to see King Kong. Because all I can think of is it, it must have been something either either they just had well, it would really come down to as far as the the act of actually physically taking me to the movies was always my dad. My mother seldom ever went to the movies. Mm -hmm. So it was either he wasn't interested personally 
which that always played a big factor. If he was just like, yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to see that, then we ain't going no matter how much begging I'm doing. Or it was something where my mother was like, I do not want you to take him to this, which did carry a lot of weight most of the time. But you have to remember, I also got, I mean, my dad took me and I'm trying to remember who else, maybe Chris Honeywell. I can't remember. It seems to me it was me, my dad and a buddy. And I can't remember who else was what we, you know, who it was that we went with. But we went to see, do you remember um, the Road Warrior? Oh, yeah. And we yeah. saw the Road Warrior at the drive-in. And that was, oh God, what year did that movie come out? 84? I believe so. We I was like 16, you know? And which, you know, that's, that's a bit older. But still, I mean, you know, I have a child that's about to turn 16. And even today, I don't know that I'd want him watching the Road Warrior. It's actually... The Road Warrior's probably... Probably pretty tame by today's standards, but you know, it's slightly worse if you're basing your age. It's 81, so you're even younger than that. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was 13. Yeah, huh? uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, that's irresponsible parenting right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. that's funny. Um, yeah, he was he was very selective about stuff like right. that. So yeah. I don't. I I would love to. It had to. It had to come down to he just wasn't interested. That's all I can think of is that he just looked at it and said, nah. Outside the '76, I mean, the, the like you said, the 1933. Uh, obviously, is with me my whole life. I wasn't born in 1933. I, I wake up some mornings feeling like I was born in 1933, but I have, <laughs> in fact, was not. I've always loved monster movies. I mean, the Universal monster movies are probably number one. Next are giant monsters, Godzilla, Beast of right. Twenty Thousand Fathoms, and of course King Kong, and then everything else. I just I will watch a monster movie, good or bad. I'll watch it at least once. And I even dragged when 2005 came around, I even dragged my wife all but kicking and screaming to the theater opening weekend to see the Peter Jackson version. Now, what, what, how do you feel about that well, one? Because that, that's the one that I'm getting the very strong impression that this new ride is most going oh, yeah, to be based it is. on. It is. It's okay. I don't think it was necessary, but it, it was, it was nice to see. It was in my opinion it was a a reimagine it's it was almost like a what if movie it's like if king kong wasn't thought of in 1933 and was thought of in 2005 here's what we could have done with it i don't think it adds much to the entire lineage of king kong but i also don't think it hurts it like say burton's planet of the apes or anything like that you and i are i think are very similar in the way that we approach that movie however I'm, I'm going to save this for when we actually get to the list because it's something I, that's actually on my list. Okay. But I don't think it necessarily adds anything. However, it does solidify something. Okay, interesting. That I think is really cool because one of the things that pains me greatly over the years is how the 76 version um, seems to just slip further and further into the background mm -hmm. the older it gets. And it gets kind of a bad rap. Well, the 76 version did something that changed the mythos. And I don't think it was really recognized or, or appreciated at the time. But the, the Peter Jackson one in 2005, actually, as faithful as it is to the 33 version, did take elements from the 76 and basically now that's probably become the definitive version of Kong, at least for the current generation, is the 2005 yes, version. Yeah. 
And so I really like that it is, in a lot of ways, a wonderful um, blending of the two and, and basically taking the best elements of the two. And, and now we have this new version. So while the 2005 is hardly my favorite version, there's a lot of, that it did get right. It's, the, my, my biggest problem with the 2005 is that it suffers a little bit, I think, from Star Wars, the prequels mm-hmm. syndrome, which is Peter Jackson needed somebody to go, you know, you might want to <laughs> cut that out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. Cause it, it's like, he didn't you know, there was so much that he could do that he didn't spend enough time asking himself should i do that right you know? yep. it's, it's not like jeff goldblum in jurassic park right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um there was there's actually two interesting things personally to come out of that for me which i just thought of i just thought of this one last night um when we walked out of that movie my wife commented how stupid the last line of that movie was which indicated to me right then and there You've never seen King Kong, have you? Right, yeah. Isn't the last line? Uh, it's the same. The beast? Yep, it's the same ending. So I was like, yeah, okay, so now we're going to fix that for our King Kong coverage. I'm going to sit her down, tire down if I have to, to pull a Clark or Garnage and make her watch the 1933 and then do a review on it and see how that goes. That might not be good Here's- for a relationship, but I want to see how that goes. Here's the other thing I would encourage you to do. D- does she, does Christy listen to podcasts at all? Yes. So I don't know if you're aware of this. And I couldn't tell you exactly when it was, because every time I try to refer back to old episodes, I'm always like, well, this was about a year ago. And then it turns out it was like five years ago. (laughs) Yeah. But we used to do themed months on Two True Freaks. Mm -hmm. And Chris Honeywell and I did do Kong months. Oh, cool. And I'm trying to remember how many episodes it was. It was at least four episodes, because, you know, there's four weeks but we might have actually picked a month where there was five weeks i can't remember but there's at least four weeks in there and we covered all three of the film versions and we covered the uh the giant it's a it's one of those big oversized comics like yes. like if it was a, it wasn't marvel but say it was marvel it would have been what they called like a treasury edition or okay, if it was yep. see what they called the old limited collector's editions yep it's not i want to say it's gold key i can't you know what? i could look it up real quick but uh anyway it's it's that big super sized version and i think they actually did do it in the smaller version at one point too i've never had that one i've always had the big right. version of it uh, we also covered that and just had a blast. Right. <laughs> and it's funny because we got such mixed reaction from our listeners because there was a fairly high percentage of the listeners that were like, ah, we'll see you next month. Oh, you know, they really? just weren't interested. Yeah, which always strikes me as that's eh, a little rude, but okay. Yeah. You know, I can I can get that, I guess. But there was actually a pretty high percentage that were really down with the idea because it turned out that, uh, you know, every time I think there's certain properties that are just kind of, you know, have kind of aged out and like nobody really cares anymore. All of a sudden you find out, nope, you know, it still has its its loyal uh, followers and everything. And and Kong was definitely one of them. We got some really good reaction to, to Kong month. Oh, very cool. Well, that book must not be called King Kong because I'm not finding it in my database. I, actually, I do think it has a different name, oh, but gotcha, I don't want to okay. waste time trying to find it. No problem. It. No but, problem. Uh, I want to say it's Gold Key, but don't hold me to okay. it. But it can be had really cheap. I remember uh, scouting around on eBay around the time we were doing Kong Month just to see 
you know, what, it, what is that going for these days? And it wasn't much. I mean, you could, you could have yourself a copy for probably 10 or 20 bucks. Mm, yeah, that's that's cool. Well, the other thing that came out of that, at least in, for me that I've been able to fortunate enough to experience is the addition of Kong 360 at universal Hollywood, which is part of their tram mm-hmm. tour. That's actually a really cool addition to it. Unfortunately, I never got to see the original Kong encounter at universal Hollywood. So I'm missing that, but the 360 is cool. The downside of that is that it appears that three, the 360 experience is going to be the finale of this ride, which is not a bad thing. Cause it's really cool. It's just like, when I get to it, I'll be like, Oh, I know what this is. So been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's so much more to this ride, uh, leading into that. than there is at Hollywood that I'm not, in fact, I'm, I don't recall being this excited about an attraction at Universal in a very long time. Trans- oh, yeah. Transformers, I could live or, live with or without at the time. Actually, I've, I've been on it several times since then. I really enjoy it, but didn't really care. Uh, the Simpsons, you know what it was? Simpsons Ride was the last one I was this excited about. And now I'm not talking Springfield, although I'm excited. I love Springfield. I spend way too much time at Springfield. But I'm talking about <laughs> the ride, which was there years before Springfield was there. That That's the last time I'd ever been this excited for a new attraction at Universal. I'm I'm just excited. Well, first, before I get into that, I wanted to ask you now, the Kong 360 in, in Hollywood, is that what spun out of the Kong attraction after the fire? Because wasn't there a big fire that destroyed much of Kong at one point out there? Um, I don't know, because I, I, I mean, I don't think that's right. I think Kong, the Kong encounter was actually in a completely different location than this than this was. Oh, okay. Do you remember like the ice tunnel that uh, the six million dollar man was carrying Bigfoot through at Universal, <laughs> uh, Universal Hollywood? Kind of vaguely. That's I, I, yeah. Just in just in like a you know the concept. I've never been there, so I, you know. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, concept it's, phase. That's yeah. that part of the tram that's been converted for this Kong attraction. Ah, uh, okay. I believe Kong encounter, and I can all but verify it in video. It certainly looks like it on video. Was then a sound stage as you travel through a sound stage, and this is right. not a sound. The, if you ever get get the chance to go there, you'll certainly see it's, you're not going through a building. Oh, you <laughs> take it back. You are in a sense, but you're not going through this building that you see in the Kong Encounter back then. Well, this is probably going back. I don't know, ten or more years, but I remember they had a big fire out there. Yeah. Yeah, that wiped out a lot of stuff, and I couldn't remember. It seems to me I heard that Kong was a big part of it, but I just can't remember for sure. So I wasn't sure if, so, like, well, out there they had, like, two versions of Kong, like one pre-fire and now one post-fire. Yeah, I, I, like actually, yeah, I mean, I guess I was answering your question incorrectly because I was thinking location-wise, but I think you're right. I think the lack of Kong, the idea to put Kong back in the tour was because they lost Kong. I see what you're saying. So I right, actually, I think yeah. I answered your question wrong. I was thinking more location. So I think you're right with that actually. Now, what, what was your history with the, the Kong, the previous Kong ride here in Orlando? I was on that. We're actually going to get into a lot of detail when we get to my list on that, but okay, I, I've right. been on that more times than I can count. <laughs> yep. So that is uh, not to give a spoiler away. I think anyone can pick up on what I just said there, but we'll get, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. That's about it for my history, so I'm ready to get on the list if you are. Definitely. All right, Scott, you're the guest. You have the choice. You can go first. I'm happy to go first. Whatever you want to do. All right. Now, we're going from five to one, correct? correct? Yep. Yep. All right. All right. So, uh, my number five, right away, uh, this, this 
it's funny that I put this as number five because this could also be number one. So it could actually go either way. But I think one of the biggest draws for me to King Kong, one of the things that that most connects me and just hooks me right out of the gate and makes me go, ooh, you know, this is something I can I could latch onto. And this is probably the big hook from when I was a kid is just the world of Kong, meaning where, you know, his native habitat, because it's very much uh, a, a spinoff or I, I've even heard that, you know, the original, uh, the, you know, the folks that created Kong, the, the 33 movie kind of in some ways outright ripped off a couple of different sources. Well, the, the, the big one that's always referenced is uh, the lost world. Oh and yeah, yeah. That's I can see the that. element of Kong that fascinates me the most is, you know, Skull Island and and where he actually lives because, you know, for one thing, come on, dinosaurs. You know, right. this this is that that quintessential. I mean, this this was a big genre uh, years ago, especially like say in the early part of the of the twentieth century. This was its own genre that a number of science fiction writers tackled. You know, uh, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, that, that wrote the, the Tarzan novels, you know, wrote a lot about uh, different lost worlds, you know, where there, uh, you know, there, there was this environment that basically uh, kept the, the prehistoric world, you know, where, where dinosaurs hadn't died off. And I've always been fascinated with that idea, you know, whether it was from science fiction or uh, there was a story that used to fascinate me as a kid. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember the guy's name. I want to say it was Admiral Byrd, but don't hold me to it. But there was a, a famous explorer that mm -hmm. flew over one of the poles. And I can't remember if it was the north or the south pole, but he flew over one of the poles. And to his dying day, claimed that as he flew over the poles he crossed you know you know he's crossing all this icy expanse where there's just nothing but barren white and then all of a sudden would come across this like lush tropical green zone mm -hmm. where he claimed to have seen oh wow <laughs> dinosaurs and you know lost creatures and all that and again you know it's just one of those things that you know your your child mind just kind of oh, sees sure. out like that's cool yeah. you know and I think a lot of science fiction writers also latched onto that same idea. I know, you know, in, in DC Comics, there was a the whole thing with Warlord, and that was his whole deal is, you know, he fell into this Middle Earth type of thing where that was his whole world. You know, he was he was a modern man in uh, in a lost time where there were still, you know, dinosaurs and, and all these creatures and everything. So I just think that's that's a cool element of Kong's world. And... That to me was always the coolest part of both, uh, you know, the original 33 film that as primitive as the special effects were and everything, those were always the coolest moments of that film to me because you just got glimpses, you know, there would be right. a, like a, I don't know what it was like a, like a stegosaurus here and a brontosaurus there, but they didn't beat you over the head with it. I love those elements of the, the Peter Jackson one. However, he just went nuts with it, you know, and they're, yeah, they yeah. were everywhere. And it, so it was, it was, you know, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Not only did you get dinosaurs, but man, did you get dinosaurs? You know what I mean? 
So he went a little crazy with it. I think if he had done a little pulling back and made the dinosaurs still a bit mysterious and you only ever caught glimpses and things like that, it could have been that much more fascinating. But yeah, that's that's my definite number five is just, you know, the 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 home turf of Kong and the the fact that he in his world that that is this prehistoric world he's kind of the ultimate cryptid right. you know yep. he's he's the king of his kind but you know I, I just i love that element to it it's, it's kind of hard to explain yeah, i understand what I you're get, saying but it really jazzes me it, up it's 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 really fresh on my mind um do you happen to watch face off on sci-fi channel at all no they you know what that is it's that makeup no, I never heard of oh it. it's a it's a it's a uh yearly it's a, a every they have a season every year it's a it's a uh movie makeup competition they start with like oh, yeah, yeah i think i have seen okay. this now okay yeah they were down to the final four this week and they brought in mike west who is a huge name in the creative department at universal studios in fact he's he's a driving force behind these all these major rides you've seen including skull island and their challenge this week was to base their makeups on some of the creatures that are going to be on the ride and he gave a little bit of the story that i hadn't heard yet so i'm not giving any spoilers away if you've seen face off so i'm actually going to spoil it for you unless you want to hear it scott no go ahead it's it's not really spoil the ride but it it harkens back to kind of what you just said he gave a little bit of the story that kong island had a um its own almost greenhouse effect early on in prehistoric days so that when the ice age came it was unaffected so these are these are how creatures would have evolved on earth from the very beginning had these climate temperatures not changed. And I thought that was a really cool element to know going into this ride. Hmm. So are we possibly going to get like dinosaur people? No, I don't think we're going to get people, but we're getting larger than life creatures. I don't know if you're following their blog at all, but they have released four (laughs) four creatures that just look insane that, and they've hired the company that does the whole, uh, the arena shows for walking with dinosaurs and how to train your dragon. It's right, like, I, right, I yeah. cannot wait to see what they're doing with these ideas, these concepts and these, this technology. So yeah, see that stuff. I'm really, I'm really fascinated with, and that stuff I'm really looking forward to on this ride. Yep. Yeah. You had me a little bit nervous. Oh, okay. No, 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 not at all. No. What I've seen of, of face off. Well, it's always like people being made that, up. And right? that, that was the challenge, but it was an isolated challenge for the I TV gotcha. show. It's okay. a, in fact, he showed them the creatures that we're just talking about. It's like, here's the, uh, I don't know their names yet. I'll know them by the end of the year, like to the point that I'll drive people nuts when I'll be correcting I mean, them on the creature names, but I don't know them now, but like, here's the giant spider creature. Here's the giant scorpion. Here's the, the giant, cool. this thing. Yeah. yeah. So that, ma- that ma- kind of thing I like. Yep, yeah. Yep. But yeah, I was, I was having just no, for a moment no, there, no. I was thinking, oh my God, we're going to get like slee stacks or something. You no, know, no, so. he, no. In fact, in his, his pitch, they were showing videos of, uh, there were 3d renderings of course. Uh, but they were showing videos, not a single human to be seen except the, the, simulated people walking to the ride but you know what i'm saying right yeah so uh okay well let me go into my number five now i'll say this and you might be like what the hell are you talking about but hear (laughs) me out i'll tell the story most of these are based on kind of specific memories and this first one is the it's a product it's a piece of merchandise it's from the 76 line it's the migo king kong drinking straw do you know that at all no, you got me on that one. Okay. It was a drinking straw. It's like half of it, let's say like the first seven inches was a straw. Then on the top, there was like five inches of King Kong sealed between two clear plastic panes with the World Trade Center on either side of them and a straw on the back. So as you drank through the straw, it pulled your drink up and like pushed King Kong like up between the towers like he was climbing and then you could get your drink. 
sounds fun for a kid until you try it. And I nearly died trying to use this damn thing. Cause I was like, uh, trying to find a word that's not going to have Chris text me later, but I can't, I was sucking on the straw as, <laughs> as hard as I could. And I swear <laughs> to God, I thought my throat collapsed. It's like, it's like, it was an impossible thing to drink through. But I had to have this. I, I, I had to Google this. I try so hard not to do this sort of <laughs> right, thing yeah. over recording, but I just was like, I was fascinated by your description. Okay, there is one on eBay right now. Migo King Kong Drinking Straw AFA, whatever that is, highest graded, holy grail, unpunched, $1,200 uh, plus 20 bucks shipping. Well, mine's almost close to unused because I nearly died on it. I should have wow. saved it and sold it. This, this looks fascinating. <laughs> it's deadly. Wow. But I had to have it. I was like just begging my mother for it. I don't even know if I was, yeah, I was either outright begging or I was doing one of those super hints like every time she talked about it. She finally brought it home from the store, unpacked it, grabbed it, put it in a drink, and nearly died. <laughs> so that is my experience. And then the commercial is still on YouTube. Look up the commercial when you get a chance because oh yeah, now I want to see that. That is amazing. I'll put this. I'll just put these ideas in your head. Any listener's head that has, hasn't seen the commercial. For one, the commercial has the weirdest picture I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what the kid is drinking. It looks like maybe strawberry milk. And at the end, he does something, and you look at him and go, "What the hell is wrong with that kid's chest?" It's just it's <laughs> endless fun from beginning to end. He had a mouthful of pop rocks when he started. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, the King Kong straw nearly ended my life at five, six years old. And I did, I did the same thing you did. I, I went, I was like, you know what? I would be fun to have it and see if I can survive it this time. But then I was like, there was no loose ones, which actually is probably good. I don't think I want a loose straw, a used straw, I should say, especially on eBay. Didn't really consider how gross that was until I talked about it right now. But all the ones on card, even the ones that aren't like in great condition, are hundreds of dollars. I'm like, I that it's okay. Not that <laughs> not that important for a bit on a audio show. <laughs> are you ready for the next one? Yep, go for it. Uh number four, favorite Kong things. I'm gonna say the period setting. Okay. Uh, meaning the the setting of both the original film and 33 because it's it's contemporaneously set or at least as far as i can determine it's supposed to be present day of you know what was then yes. the present yep. 1933 and then they did uh the same thing with the uh the peter jackson uh version when he remade the film he set it in the original era of, of the original film and i like that um as much as I'm enamored of the the 76 version, that is my favorite version. There's something really cool about that that period setting, and, and I think the one of the elements that works the best in the Peter Jackson version is his feel for that period setting. There, there's more of a sense of awe and uh, just a sense of scope. That that's when that film really kind of opens up in my opinion is is when kong gets loose oh yeah yep. uh in new york of the 30s you really get a sense of the the level of uh work and the level of dedication that the filmmakers had you know the special effects people had with you know digitally recreating 1930s new york in such <laughs> you know intensive detail that it, it's pretty flawless that that's that's great i really like that cool but just that idea of of you know that particular period setting um 
and and you know bringing Kong to New York and all that. Just that that's always been one of the more fascinating elements of the story to me. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. All right, well, my number four. It's another Kong film, and it's a guilty pleasure. And I think there's a 50-50 shot you'd watch this. And if you haven't seen this, I will give you a single solitary reason why you will want to watch it. But it is the, uh, like I said, if I didn't say it, let me say it again. It's a guilty pleasure. So when you're about, anyone that's listening that's about to judge me, please realize I preface that. It's the movie 1967's King Kong Escapes. Have you ever seen I'm not that? Sure, if I've seen that. One. Okay, it's a it's a Japanese. It's a, basically a Toho film, but then they worked with Rankin Bass to do the English voiceovers, and if for no other reason, the evil genius who is actually named Doctor Who, not the <laughs> Doctor Who, uh, is voiced by uh, you'll know the actor's name. I can't think of his name. It escapes me off the top of my head, but he's the uh, Meister Burger Burgermeister. Oh, from the rank- uh, Paul Freeze. Yes, also the voice of the uh, ghost host in the haunted. There mansion. you go. Yep. So, oh, you got to be kidding. Okay, now I got to see. <laughs> I this knew movie. if I if I told you that fact, you would want to see this movie. Now I got to see it. Yeah. The idea. That, okay, since since you haven't seen it, if you don't know, the idea is this evil genius Doctor Who creates a Kong of Steel, which. I don't know if that's a direct <laughs> Superman reference or not, but that's the name of it. It's a, it's a Mechanicon, like like Mecha Godzilla. He designs him specifically to dig for this highly radioactive, uh, dangerous element called Element X. That uh, if he can dig it up for Japan, will make them the superpower of the entire world. Well, meanwhile, uh, there's a, a U.S. submarine that happens to stumble upon King Kong. Now this is where it gets weird on Mondo Island, not Skull Island. But Mondo Island, it's almost like a retelling, like a what if almost of the movie. And they try to take him to the North Pole uh, rather than New York. He escapes. Uh, Mecha Kong is sent to retrieve him. They eventually make their way back to Tokyo and they fight on the Tokyo Tower instead of uh, the uh, Empire State Building. So it's a, uh, uh, like I said, no idea how this really falls into the history of Kong. Uh, obviously, it, it may be. Uh, a, a elsewhere's idea of the events before 1933. That's why Kong's still alive. I, I don't know. I don't care. It's a guilty pleasure. Every once in a while, when I see a silly movie that has King Kong in it, I'll pop this in. In fact, if you haven't seen it, I will. Next time I see you, I'll try to remember to grab the Blu-ray. <laughs> okay. I think I saw black and white pictures of this for when I was a kid, and you know, like famous monsters or something. You know how they would often show. Uh, pictures of of movies that maybe you never heard of, right, or, right. you know, real obscure horror movies and stuff like that. a lot of foreign stuff. And I'm pretty sure I saw pictures from that, but no, I I, I never have seen that one. Yep, it's uh, it's different. In fact, it's like to the point. It's such a guilty pleasure that I like I have it on while doing other things, and there, I know there are specific points I want to watch because they're just so silly. Like when when <laughs> when, when Mecha Kong starts. Uh, trudging the North Pole, and you can so clearly see what is being described as impenetrable steel plates bending like rubber bands. It's just, it's so much fun. You know, your mention of Rankin Bass got me to thinking, I wonder, has there ever been an animated Kong? I think there has been. 
Yeah, you would think that that'd be a no-brainer to do like a Kong cartoon or animated movie or something yep. like that. Oh, there is a new, a brand new Netflix original series coming, cartoon series coming, I think April 15th, because I plan to watch that for this preparation. It's, it's, I think it's actually set in the future. I don't think it's geared towards us kind of fans, but it's another piece to cover and kind of get ready for Kong. So there, there's, I think there's already, I think there's one out there and there's one coming. Hmm. Uh, the, the you know a, a name popped into my head and I lost it. It was like Kong King of Monsters or something. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Google's not finding that, so maybe it's not that, but it's something like that. Unless maybe that was the Godzilla subtitle. Maybe it was a Godzilla cartoon cut subtitle. I know there was a, a Godzilla cartoon following the Matthew Broderick Godzilla that everybody, you know, according to everything I've ever heard, was really, really good, but I never did get a chance to see it. I, I want to yeah, say that I that's called it. something like King Godzilla, King of the... Oh, the... <laughs> I found like Kong, King of the Apes. That is the cartoon I was just describing coming to Netflix. Well, that's why it's okay. so fresh in my head. <laughs> Set in 2015. Now, why at this point have we not learned our lesson? Have we not learned since Transformers you can't say something in the future because they, when they thought th- it was safe to bet on the year 2000 and got the future so wrong, right? You need to make it like 2550 where no one's going to care when we finally get to that year, right? <laughs> anyway, that's another episode of another show. <laughs> All right, uh, we're up to your number three, Scott. All right, number three, um, I'm just going to say the music because I think all three of the the Kong films have wonderful music. Uh, the 33 version has always stood out to me ever since I was a kid because typically speaking, old movies – just the music doesn't usually do it for me you know they just they they sound like old movies they all have a very similar motif to them it seems yeah it's almost like just music is playing yes yes. really lend into the you know what's going on in the scene necessarily here here's the thing with old movies typically to me what it feels like is like you have music playing but it's not a synchronized soundtrack that is actually enhancing the movie. And it's so, so it really jumps out to me when you get an old movie that does. Mm -hmm. And I can really only think of a few examples off the top of my head. I know wizard of Oz is a really good example because that's, you know, that's an early movie. Of course, you know, all the old Disney, you know, the, you know, right from the earliest Disney movies, the, the sound was, a you know, and the music was a very important element of those movies. But I'm talking like actual, like, um, live action movies. There, there's not a lot of them that I've ever seen where I felt like the soundtrack really added something to it. Uh, the 33 Kong is a great exception to that because I think the soundtrack, while not one of my favorite soundtracks, not my favorite Kong soundtrack, uh, it is still really good. There's a yeah. lot of elements that really enhance that movie and add to the action that you're seeing on screen, the the suspense, and kind of the magnitude of Kong. Because that's an important thing that the music uh, really does, especially with the latter versions, is kind of the the size and the weight of Kong is portrayed heavily through the music, you know, with with really deep 
uh, kind of dark overtones yeah, that they play in it, the music that kind of give the creature weight, if you know what I mean. It's kind of slow and methodical compared yeah. to what we've seen up until his reveal. Yeah, yep. exactly. And uh, and very foreboding um, before we actually see him when he appears for the first time, that sort of thing. And, and that really was established with the 33 uh, version because the music did that for us even way back then. And I really like that. Um, the, the 76 version by, uh, John Barry, I think honestly, you know, I'm by my own admission, I'm not the biggest John Barry fan in the world. The Mm -hmm. guy had some great scores, but he was never like in my, my top 10 of, of film composers. However, uh, his King Kong score is one of my favorites. It's just, it's a fantastic score. He really did a great job with it. Some, some beautiful piano work in there on, uh, the one piece where uh, Kong takes Dwan and bathes her essentially because she fell in the mud. I mean, the, the scoring in that is just beautiful. You know, just a wonderful piece of music. And the overall theme and, and motif of Kong in the 2005 version uh, is really, really good as well. Again, it's a lot of that boom, 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 <laughs> you know, it's giving you this, the scope and size of the creature. Uh, but I like that sort of thing, and it, it really works well for that. And the scene with um, Anne and Kong playing in Central Park on the ice. Mm, yes. I mean, it's a lot of that scene, and a lot of the reason why it works and why it brings a tear to my eye every time I watch it is the music in that scene. It's just a, a beautiful piece of music. So, yeah, the, I think the music of all three of those is a big player in why those movies um, – feel the way that they do who did the score for the 2005 one um i want to say james newton let me see i was just listening to this before we started. yeah james newton howard oh, okay did. okay yep yeah great film composer yeah but that yeah that's one of his better works i really like that one cool all right what's uh okay number three right yeah okay this one uh, if i know you we're gonna have a bit of a discussion on this it's another piece of merchandise, another thing from 1976, which is, uh, it, it kind of reiterates, why did I not see this movie when my parents told me got all this merchandise? But it was the 1976, oh, I just said it, uh, Tops King Kong trading cards. Oh, hell yes. Oh, I love yeah. those things. Yeah, that was a great set of cards. Yep. Uh, that That card set actually informed a lot of my... Um, knowledge and and opinions of kong before i really got into him and and saw the movie proper um because you know you it, it was a great amalgamation of of what i loved best about 70s especially tops you know the tops movie cards when we were kids right because you know you had great sets like well the star wars cards yeah you know, the star yep. wars cards were awesome you had Star Wars, you had Star Trek, you had all these different movie cards. That Kong set, to this day, I think is highly underrated because not only did you get stills from the movie, you actually saw Kong um, and you got all these great uh, information things on the backs of the cards. Um, And they did that thing that they did with the Star Wars set as well, where if you turn the cards over, several of them were pictures to where if you put all the pictures in the proper order, it recreated some of the poster images, like the one where Kong was smashing through the gates. Yeah. 
Now, and I can't remember what the other ones were. There were some other ones like that, too. It's funny you bring that up because I, I remember uh, the movie facts ones. Now, now those are cool. I actually, when I thought of these, I, I went through, and of course, there's there's several sources online to see all the pictures and the and the images on the back and whatnot. And and I was reading through the 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 whatever you call them, the movie facts, and they're interesting now. But I remember as a kid. When I'd get a new card and I'd flip it over and have those movie facts, I was pissed because that means I, <laughs> I, I didn't have a missing piece on all my puzzles. Right, right. So, <laughs> well, do you remember um, as well as having pictures from the movie, a good number of those cards themselves were the um, promotional art pieces. Yep. yep. So you had like Kong fighting the snake and Kong fighting the subway car and stuff like that. Those, those were beautiful yep. pieces of art. I actually broke it down from one of the sites I was looking at. There's there's 55 cards altogether. Numbers one through six were those those artist pieces you're talking about. Ah, okay. The rest were photos. There was 11 stickers, which were even more photos. They weren't rehashed photos of the cards, so there was even more images. And then, of course, the puzzle pieces on the back and then the, uh, what do you call them, the... Uh, the fact sheet. So that's right. that was the breakdown of them. And I, I was reading every caption and they all cracked me up because everyone ends with an exclamation point. <laughs> a huge Harry Paul lifts Dwan into the air. <laughs> and Dwan, my favorite actually of all of them was Dwan seems unalarmed as King Kong breaks free. It's like, okay, <laughs> interesting <laughs> caption, but I'll go with it. The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, I love those cards. We would my my mother was was uh, always nice enough to we me and my sister every time we went shopping we get to pick a, uh, a candy bar from the grocery aisle. I think like most kids, but when these cards were out, my mother saw I was enjoying them. She would make the exception of the they even just, they were in the candy aisle. I could get my candy bar and a pack of King Kong cards. Now you've got me wondering if I have any of those or not because I don't think I ever did get a complete set. But I'm wondering if I even have any of them really? anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't remember. I was typically I was pretty good about, you know, keeping my my non-sports cards and, and keeping up with them, but it's been so long since I've I, I've got all of them now. They're in binders. Right. Okay. You know, on on you know, they they come out with those sheets. Yes. I, I'm yep. sure they were intended for like baseball cards. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have all my non-sports cards in them. I have them all in sheets and I've got them all filed away. I probably haven't busted most of them out in, you know, decades. But for the life of me, I can't remember if I still have any Kong cards or not. I wonder what it would even cost to, to like buy a complete set on eBay or something. I bet you they're not much because I looked up Star Wars cards not long ago thinking, you know, they, they'd be worth a lot of money. They're not worth anything. Oh, really? I'm yeah, they're really it. not. It's it's it's. Kind of heartbreaking, you know, because yeah. I always thought like a complete set of blues that one day you know I could I could sell them and buy you know my retirement home and yeah they're not <laughs> worth much of anything they're really not which yeah. is sad yeah that's, I always thought those things would be worth a lot that's so right. I can't imagine King Kong cards unless they're like really scarce today or something that would be worth a heck of a lot but yeah I yeah, that was a great set yeah I'm looking them up now I don't see any complete sets but I see I actually see unopened packs and they're not that unreasonable wow uh, well okay here's a box of them that's two hundred dollars but i'm talking like he's got even that's not bad though. no i guess not this guy's got two packs unopened packs for 10 bucks i mean if i really wanted to dive in but <laughs> i just want the gum yeah oh, oh. <laughs> yeah i haven't broke a tooth in a while <laughs> all right so yes like those 
trading card. I absolutely love those. I had a blast collecting them and just looking at them. In fact, I that's that was my experience with the movie, really, because I didn't see it until the TV or right. like we talked about. So for me, that was the movie. <laughs> All right, we're up to your number two, Scott. Well, my number two is really illustrating to me that I I think I went a little broader than maybe you wanted me to go. Oh no, it's, it's that's the beauty here. of the show. It's whatever that whatever it means oh, to okay. you. So hey, you know if it's if, if the idea of King Kong led you to this item on your list, that's all that it, that's that is the <laughs> only requirement. Is my number two uh, on the subject of the seventy six version? Is the seventy six version? Yeah. <laughs> that's. Uh, that is my pa- my personal favorite. Um, I-, I can imagine that there's probably diehard Kong fans out there groaning and going, oh, God, really? But there's something about that. And, I- and I fully realize that a lot of it is because that's the version that existed when I was a kid. You right. know, that's yep. the one I fell in love with. But I still today am in love with that movie. I I, I really enjoy it. I acknowledge that it has its cheesy bits. I acknowledge that, you know, as the years go by, the special effects get less and less special all the time. Um, it has its problems and everything, but at the end of the day, there's there's a couple of things that really carry that movie for me. Um, one is the performances that while Charles Grodin, and I personally, <laughs> I, I, confession here, I can't stand Charles Grodin. This I is the only Charles you, Grodin yeah. movie that I like yep, is, yep. is this version. Um, beyond that, I can't, I cannot stand him, but he works in this one for me because for one, he is really hamming it up, but it fits his character. His character is a dick, you know? And one of the things I really like about this version that doesn't happen in either the 33 or the 2005 version is, um, Denning never gets his comeuppance. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the 76 version, now granted, Charles Grodin, pardon me, is not playing Denim, but he's basically fulfilling the same kind of role. Right, yes. But he gets his in the 76 version. He does not escape unscathed. He gets it. And I like that he gets it. And he gets it in a really nasty way, too. (laughs) Yeah. So... For anybody that's not familiar with with the 76 version, it's uh, I give you like the, the thumbnail version of it. So what they decided to do was, for one, this was the first remake of, of the movie and, and all of that. And by the time they were making this movie, you know, Kong, it was weird. Kong was in kind of a strange place. It was like the, the 33 one by this point was 40-something years old. You have to remember, videotapes didn't exist. DVDs didn't exist. You know, all you really got to remember the 33 version by was when it would periodically replay on television or something like that. So it was in this weird place of being both a beloved classic, but also bordering on kind of forgotten at the same rate because of just where we were, you know, in movie culture and everything. So they, you know, they were doing this big budget remake and, and, um, I'm trying to remember the movie company that did it at the time. I'm, I'm blanking on who it was, but they were putting a ton of money into this movie. And Dino De Laurentiis was uh, involved in it and everything. So it was going to be huge. It was going to be special effects laden. They actually built, you know, a couple giant mechanical Kongs and they, uh, they got some really good talent in, in the acting and everything. So where the movie works for me is in the acting. I think Jeff Bridges 
I think this is one of his best roles. Okay. I really do. <laughs> Even to this day, when I see Jeff Bridges, to me, he feels like he's at his most authentic quote unquote real Jeff Bridges. Like you're seeing the real guy, not even really play acting all that much. Like this is how I envision he probably is in real life. Uh, there's a couple of roles I see him and that is um, Jaws and also when he plays Kevin Flynn in Tron, the original mm -hmm. Tron. And I just look at it and kind of go, okay, that that's who he really is in okay. real life. You know? <laughs> okay. And that's how I see him. And cause I, I love him as Jack in this version of Kong. He's just, he's got some great lines. He's very passionate. Uh, he's just a really good character who kind of gets pressed into being the hero. He, he doesn't really start out heroic, but because of his love for Dwan, he basically goes through hell to save her from Kong. And then she kind of throws him over toward the end of the movie to, for fame and fortune. And he's really upset about it. And it's kind of like, okay, whatever. And walks away from her only to turn right around and do it all over again because she becomes re imperiled and he realizes he really does love her. So that whole thing really worked for me. I, I really okay. liked that. Jessica Lang is kind of hit and miss. She's yeah. really cute to look at. And it's hard to tell sometimes the difference between her as kind of a naturally ditzy blonde and <laughs> the ditzy blonde character that she's playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she's, she's kind of, there's a lot of parts of the movie where she's almost like a porn actress or something. She's just not that great, but she's good to look at. Um, and then Renee Abergenois, oh, yes. what his character's name is, but he cracks me up through the whole movie. He's hilarious. Yep. I remember, I mean, I've, uh, so much time passes in my viewing of this movie. And the first time I watched this after deep space nine was on the air, I just right. was like, Whoa, okay. It wasn't, I totally forgot he's in this movie. Yep. He's in it. And, uh, the captain of the ship is, um, Oh God, what is that name's act that actor's name? He, um, he was Clark Griswold's dad in, uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah. But he's been in a lot of movies too. But I like him in this because he's a much more serious character and he's got uh he's got some really good lines. The, the line I really liked in the movie is uh where he finally he doesn't like um Charles Grodin's character. Uh, I can't think of I just blanked on the name of his character. But there's a point in the movie where he finally steps up and he tells Groden to his face, he says, Jesus, you're playing with their lives. <laughs> and you think he's going to confront him, but then he he kind of does back down when Groden just says, he goes, don't worry about it, Captain. But I like there's just little moments with him I really, really liked, and that was one of them. John, oh, I just lost it. Uh, John Randolph. Yeah. And he was... Uh, I'm trying to remember. There's another um, movie that's one of my favorites that he's in as well, and I'm tr I, I just blanked on what I want to say. Maybe it was. Oh, gosh, I can't think of what it was. And I'll think of it later. But um, I'm gonna guess it's, it's not, not Pritzi's Honor. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it does. It has some really good actors in it. Again, the music is is great in that movie. The music really carries a lot of the film, and um, Baker's. Uh, effects work yeah with kong is just fantastic and, you know while the the special effects 
today are kind of hit and miss as far as, you know, one of the things that, that really ultimately hurt the movie a lot and, and, it, and it just becomes more and more pointed the older the movie gets is when they kept switching from Mechanical Kong to Baker's Kong. Yeah. And it's so pronounced a difference that it, it's borders on ridiculous. So if they had just stuck with his Kong and his portrayal of Kong, um, you know, as the actor and everything, then then I think it would work. It, it do, in those moments, it works really well. You know, the mask is really well. His body language really works. And, and those parts of the movie really work. Uh, unfortunately, when they switch to like full body Kong, uh, <laughs> the mechanical, you know, it, it's, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's the seventies and, and they just hadn't perfected, you know, swift moving giant mechanical yep. creatures. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a universal or, or Disney theme park ride. Right, you know? so it's right. very stiff and slow. And, you know, so th- those parts of the movie do suffer for that, but. Overall, I, I think it's a really good uh, it's a good story, and I liked their attempt to kind of update the story. So instead of this being an expedition that was setting out to make a movie, this expedition was actually in search of oil. Which at that time, you know, that was a very contemporary yeah, true, yep. story. You know, there was the energy crisis in the seventies and all that. So that's what Groden and his people are doing is they're setting out looking for new untapped sources of oil and Groden thinks that this uh this mysterious island surrounded by this mysterious cloud bank that the cloud bank may have something to do with I don't know emissions or something to do with oil and uh Jeff Bridges character has been waiting for somebody to go to this island for years and when he finds out this mission's going he stows away on the boat yeah. so that's <laughs> kind of where everything leads to in this and then Dwan just you know winds up in the mix and so it was a it was a more modern version of the story that that really i i think in a lot of ways really really works for the time period that it's set in and and things like that i think uh, i think it was a really good uh, attempt to kind of modernize the story and uh, and there was a, a lot of elements that really worked. I, the one thing that uh, the one change that they made, though, that I think is to the detriment of this one is that lost world element is dialed so far back is, in yeah. this version that I'm not sure it ever really comes across that Kong while he's arguably the 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 biggest and the coolest element of his world that he's not unique and i don't think you ever really get that with the 76 version because the only other creature off the top of my head that you ever see is the giant snake which is one of the fakest looking things in the entire movie (laughs) it looks like one of those wind-up snakes yeah it is like a child's toy or something that part of it's pretty rough i don't know well no i do know what's worse i say i don't know what's worse of it slithering on the ground or when he picks it up and he's obviously fighting with an inanimate prop actually it's slithering on the ground is worse than it being inanimated in the in the con hands the only part of that fight that that wor- that really works and looks good is when he finally gets sick of it and pries its, yep. its jaws apart because that's real meat in there yeah and it's nasty it when nasty, he does yeah. that. that that looks good because it you know it looks real but up to that point yeah it, it's pretty cheesy yeah. it's it's james mason fighting the giant squid it's, <laughs> it's pretty rough 
I had just rewatched this a few months ago on Netflix, and I was actually a little disappointed this week to find out it's not on anymore right now. Oh, yeah. So, oh well. Well, that that kind of if you don't mind my adding one in, this becomes kind of a two for number two here. But this leads directly into why I was so thrilled with the ride. Okay. At at um, Universal Studios Florida because that ride was i mean directly from the 76 version of the film well it's actually apropos you say that because now you just led right into my number two and we'll just keep the conversation going my number two is confrontation the original king kong ride at universal studios orlando yep i loved that me too deeply regret that i only ever got to do it once really i think i did it a couple of times but i only you know i only went the one trip in in 95 my folks took me and we went and i think we did do it a few times but that was the only time i ever got to do it by the time i made my way back to orlando again and went to universal again it was long Mm. gone by that point which breaks my heart so that's another reason I'm so glad we're finally getting back <laughs> yep. in some form, yep. you know, but I, I, I loved that ride. Well, this is the first ride I've ever been on at Universal Studios. Oh, wow. I rushed right to it because I didn't realize at the time that Universal Orlando and Universal Hollywood had different rides. So I wanted to see the King Kong, the one from the encounter at Hollywood. I, I was actually, I wasn't disappointed by any means. I was just surprised to find out it was different. So this is the first ride I went on, went on it many 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 times uh, made a uh, another tr- uh, purposeful trip out there the weekend it closed to get on it one last time i used to love this ride and a lot of people that would come visit that i would take to it would think i was crazy because of the age of it is one of the first rides they had there and then you go from that on to something else and they just it's age showed but it's like no this is just this is a great ride i loved everything about it uh, do you remember the um, tramway's name? What system it was? No. It was the Roosevelt Island Aerial Tramway. Ah, okay. That's why everything was suspended in the air. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I remember my mother being scared to death of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, what really fascinated me with that, and you know, this is one of those things where I so bad wish... I could have a time machine and, and, <laughs> and go back and ride this thing one more time because I remember the thing that was so fascinating to me. You have to remember this was really for all intents and purposes, that trip in 95 was really my first theme park visit of any kind because I had gone to Disney as a kid, but I mean, that was in 75. I mean, I barely remembered right. any of that. You know, I was, I was just six years old. So this trip in 95 really, uh, like I say, for all intents and purposes, was really the first theme park uh, experience I ever had. And the thing that really struck me with confrontation right out of the gate was from the moment you step into that queue to the moment you stepped out of the attraction, to me, I totally bought it. I felt like I was on real lived-in city yep. streets. Absolutely. It yep. was it so faithfully recreated the sense of you were for one that you were outside, but also that that this was a living, breathing city. Now it was abandoned, of course, because there's you know, you got Kong on the loose. Yeah. So you know, there were no people to be seen. 
but there was trash in the streets and and you know every minute detail was accounted for you know there was there was gum on the sidewalks and grit and grime and you know just it was completely authentic and again this this is something that was completely foreign to me this idea that you could so totally and immersively recreate uh, a, a place like that, that you totally bought it and believed it. And this is why I wish I could go back and experience it again, because I'm wondering, would it still live up to that level? Because, you know, since then, of course, I've been on so many different right, ways. Right. Take like the great movie ride at, at Disney does something very similar to that. Like say in the gangster scene, I'm wondering, would it still have the same impact today? I'd like to think that it did though, because that really, that's, you know, of that particular attraction, that's actually the thing that stays with me the most. It's not even so much Kong himself. Oh, wow. Because the creature still had that herky jerky, you know, giant hydraulic monster feel to it. So he was cool, but he was kind of hokey too, you know? But it was the environment. It was that's yep. what really stuck with me was this feeling of wow, this is real. Yep. I'm really here, you know. The environment, like it suspends your disbelief, and I can get past the jerkiness of it. Just the whole idea of the ride, I used to love. Oh yeah. And the uh, speaking of the environment, I mean, I still get glimpses of it, or, or I guess maybe deja vu's of it going through Revenge of the Mummy because the first part of the queue line there structurally is exactly the same. It is the subway columns are just painted over with hier- hieroglyphics, like you're in a temple but it's structurally the same so you can kind of if, if you have a strong enough memory kind of re-envision the first part of the confrontation queue line because it's it's like i said structurally the same now we're gonna we're gonna have to do that together okay <laughs> have to go back and do that again because i didn't real i never realized yep. that before yep. wow um that's really cool the, the ride that the thing that always stuck with me ever since the first right the, the first ride of it is really stuck with me it's the final uh encounter with kong when you're kind of you turned a corner and there's a helicopter with a searchlight completely blinding you and the uh, the tram drivers screaming over the radio to turn it off and turn it off and it's taking him a while to turn off the spotlight when he finally does you're you're right there face to face with kong and kong grabs the tram yeah 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 that yeah that was intense yep that was really because it felt like okay, he we're really in his grip yeah. and he's shaking us like a dog. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was intense. Yep, I do miss that ride. I'm I'm certainly looking forward to the new one, but I also miss the old one. That was really cool. Yeah, I liked that a lot. I don't know uh, if you saw it or not, and I couldn't tell you which channel it was, but one of the local news stations here in Orlando, right about the time that the story broke for this new attraction that's about to open. They had a link on their website to the best ride video I've seen for confrontation. I, I know I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was really good. Cause that brought back a lot of memories because again, you know, having only been that one time, that one visit to see uh, Kong, a lot of the memory of the actual, okay, how did it work again? And yeah. what were the different sequences? A lot of that had become super fuzzy in my memory. So basically I could remember like going through the queue. I can remember boarding it. And then I can remember the scene where he like grabbed the tram and beyond that. I really didn't remember much. That video was masterfully shot because it really 
walked you through it, you know it was just one of the better like ride through videos i'd ever seen because it really gave you the sense of what it was as opposed to just a bunch of herky jerky home movies or yeah. something you know it's really good yeah the, the person that shot it clearly was familiar with the ride because he knew where to look when to look and give you the overall experience right yeah that's cool all right let's see we're on our number one here Ooh. all right number one um this one's kind of an intangible okay um but I, I think the thing that I've always loved the most about Kong is right from the 33 version, mm-hmm. this was always a tragedy. Yes. You know, it was yep. always kind of like that. The, you know, is he's like the quintessential misunderstood monster type of story because he doesn't, you know, while the 33 version of Kong is a bit more violent and, you know, he actually outright kills people he eats people and stuff like that at the end of the day you know there's a reason why this movie was remembered 40 some years later when it was remade the first time and everything because that image at the end of him you know mortally wounded and then falling off the empire state building i mean that was a scene that brought audiences to tears in 1933 and there's a reason for that is because at the end of the day, it was it was a tragic story. You know, he was he was taken from his homeland and and you know pursued and hounded and everything to you know to this tragic end. But one of the things I like about this story is that it has continued to evolve over the years too. So each different version we've gotten has added something new to that story. And so in the seventy six version kind of the twists and it's funny because i saw this right from a kid but i never was really sure did other people see the same thing i was seeing so in the 33 version it used to kind of strike me as strange that that movie closes out with denim saying you know it was it was beauty killed the beast so okay i can buy that kong in his weird kind of way loved fay ray mm-hmm but she is clearly never into him <laughs> right. in that entire all she does anytime he's around or near her or, or grabs her or whatever is scream her stupid head off. Yep. That's yep. all she does. That's all she's in that movie for is to scream. So it that was not a two-way relationship. So, you know, people can make as much fun as they want uh, about the 76 version. They can say all the nasty things they want to say, but the thing that the 76 movie did uh, biggest in my opinion was that it kind of changed the relationship of Kong and the girl because suddenly in the 76 version she comes around she may have been the the captured unwilling bride uh, of of Kong and he's obviously really into her but by the end of that movie in her own weird way she loves him too or at least maybe not loves him but she feels for him right right she has genuine emotions for him because when he puts her down when they're on top of the world trade center and he puts her down she goes to pieces she's crying she's begging him pick me up pick me up because she knows what's coming yes that if he doesn't pick her back up they're going to kill him and they do and it's brutal that 76 version uh death of kong is nasty yep 
because they bring in the choppers and the choppers have the miniguns yeah. and those oh, miniguns, you can see them taking chunks apart. of him yep. out Oof. and it's really brutal. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's intense. But what it really did in that version, while it doesn't end with the, you know, beauty killed the beast line, clearly that's what happens in that one. He really did love her and she also loved him, mm -hmm. you know, or, or felt, felt for him. him yeah. And that really was an important kind of game changer to the story. So then fast forward to 2005's version, which is such a love letter to the 33, sometimes slavishly so. But you get to the end of that movie, and that is one thing that, you know, intentionally or not, now the 76 version of their relationship is incorporated into, you know, kind of overlaid ah, on saying. the 33 okay. version. And now you have this new dynamic, this kind of amalgam of both the 33 and the 76, where Andero loved Kong. You okay, know, and, right. and she didn't want him to come to this this horrible end. And that's one of the things, you know, th I agree with you on the 2005. It is, it, to me, it's very hit and miss. But there is a lot that does work with the movie. And that's one of the things that works best is that of the three damsels in distress over the three different ones, she's the one I buy the best. Okay. I'll, she, I'll agree she delivers with that. Yep genuine emotion and the moments they share uh Anne and kong are are genuine moments you know the the you know the beautiful scene you know both on on skull island and on top of the empire state building those are genuine moments between them mm -hmm. and the emotion that she has when she realizes they're gonna kill him and that that's one of those things right from being a kid always connected with me and listening to Peter Jackson in interviews before the movie came out talking about the death of Kong from the 33 version while again while I'm not you know super enamored with his final product of the 2005 version those interviews and listening to him talk about that did tell me one thing. The guy understands the movie. He understands yeah. why the 33 movie works because that's the scene that that entire, granted it's the end of the movie, but that right. is the scene that that entire movie hinges on. Cause if you don't feel bad for him at the end of the movie, then you, you, the movie doesn't really work. Right. But you do, you know, at the end of that 33 version, you know, stiff puppet Kong and everything. That movie still, the end of that movie still can give me a lump in my throat. Like, yeah, oh, it's, a poor Kong. You it's know? heartbreaking because all it this is. is happening through absolutely no fault of his own. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they took him from his home and, and did this to him. And, you know, he, he's, you know, it, it's weird too because they they have given him slightly more intelligence with each new right, version. Yep. So he's very like human in a lot of ways in the 2005. But at the end of the day, whether you're talking about the 33 or the 2005, at the end of the day, he's just a dumb creature. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that element to it too. Again, you know, the whole misunderstood thing. But it's almost like like seeing somebody kick a dog or yep. something you just want to go oh don't do that exactly you know? yeah you know? I, and that's how you feel about him i almost can't watch 
the end of the 2005 because of the scene right before he drops from the Empire State Building, like the split second before he falls, you can actually see the life drain out of his eyes, and it's yeah. it gets me so bad I can almost not watch it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's brutal. Yep, it really is brutal. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, I had a lot of fun. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's no, okay. Um, well, I'm ready to lead into my number one if we're ready. Sure. Okay. It's not terribly far in uh, spirit from yours, but a little different. And for me, it is the memory of the yearly airing of the 1933 King Kong. Mm. I mean, back before Netflix, before home video, before seeing whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted on the internet, you know, some families would get together and and base their evening around the annual airing of Wizard of Oz. But I was waiting patiently every year for our local UHF station to do its annual airing of King Kong. Every time that would come around, I would not necessarily make an event of it, but I was I was there. And it was easy to do when my parents were sick of watching it because by the time I had a little tiny TV in my bedroom, it was black and white, so it didn't matter because this movie was black and white. So I would see it every year. And each year, the older I got, the later they'd air it, and they would get later and later. Then sometimes it moved to the midday, and then it kind of just disappeared altogether. But, man, when it was a yearly event... I was in front of the TV watching it year after year after year. Nice. <laughs> so that is, so it's not the 76. Like, and actually, I, I don't really know what is my favorite of the three. I just think I've probably seen the 33 most because of what I just described. Right. So that's, uh, that I always enjoyed when that came around. It was, it was almost an event for me. It was like, it was my thing of my family. That was my thing. My, my father watched, golf all the time all sporting events my mother loved the there's a thing called the well you're from new york you may know who the mummers are you remember the, do you know them at all from philadelphia somebody and it, maybe it was you somebody was telling me about this not long ago but <laughs> maybe it may have been me yeah i think it was you yeah i, I i'd never heard of it before it, it's kind of like a, a regional music type of thing that involves that's right brass yes, horns. Okay, it was you that was okay, telling yeah. me about this okay yeah. yeah like brass instruments and banjos and they had a parade every year that was my mother's thing she watched the mother's day parade for me my thing was king kong so that was like that was that was my <laughs> thing it wasn't a family thing it was mine i'll do this leave me alone King Kong, that's the third watching this is what I do each year for me, not knowing what any of that meant at that age, of course, but I guess that's the best way I can equate it. <laughs> so, not like I said, not I think the same spirit as yours, but a little different reason and a different right. version. So, but apart from that, I have got some honorable mentions that didn't quite make it to the top five, but I can't, I couldn't not write them down. I don't know if okay. you have any on your list or not. I, I have one. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, one I had was this. I remember this toy because me and my two cousins both got it, and we were just we we're, were having too much dumb fun with it. It was a stupid little King Kong head on a spring with a su suction cup on the bottom. It had candy inside. I put candy in quotes. It's like those little teeny tiny dots of sugar that were like they were terrible. They didn't taste. They, they're they're it was, probably barely even made of things that you were legally able to ingest mouth yeah i think they did oh god i remember those but yeah we, we were playing yeah. with the spring thing because you press it down and like it would lock into position and then the pressure on the spring would would eventually unlock right, it and it would, it would shoot in the up? air yeah yeah <laughs> i haven't thought about that in 
God, how many years has that uh, got to be? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I do remember that. We had too much dumb fun with that the day we got Oh, them. my God. And then we probably all broke the springs. Uh, <laughs> King Kong Lives is on my honorable mention. Oh, that travesty. No. That's the movie I thought you were going to talk about before when you the were guilty talking pleasure. About yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I could not make it through that movie. That is uh it was funny. It, this is so weird. This is going to be a bizarre little story, but it was a nine 11 happened. And much like most of the world, I was up watching the news and I finally got to the point where it's like, I need a break from it. So I flipped through the channels and I saw King Kong lives was, was listed on whatever channel TBS sci-fi. Order. I was like, okay, I'll watch this. I haven't seen this for a while. And duh, no, they replaced it with something else because what's the opening scene of King Kong lives King Kong flying from the world trade center. So, oh, yes. yeah. so I've never actually have not seen this since like it's home video release back when you could rent videos it was on the new release shelf i watched it i don't think i've watched it since then that was probably like in the super late 80s or the super early 90s i think we rented it on vhs and couldn't make it through the movie <laughs> it's yeah, bad it's, it, it is bad <laughs> it is really really bad yeah. well one thing that doesn't help is that it's a direct sequel to 76 kong Yet it's, I think it's a good 10 years later. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it just, the, the whole timeline thing doesn't really, it, it just, it did not work. It really didn't work. Yeah. It's, I, a, you know, God bless him for trying. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> That's what I think. I think I was more enamored by the idea than the actual movie. Do you remember how much of the plot do you remember? This is what I remember of it and why I wanted to see it is like it all revolved around Kong getting an artificial heart and they needed a blood donor yeah and they found the female kong lady kong yep. yeah oh, that's God. that's all i remember too i remember linda hamilton was yep, it was fresh uh, off of her Connor. terminator uh hit i think i don't know fresh off but it was after it oh that's right yeah, yeah. that i now that you say i was thinking that this was like the thing before she broke big but you're right this would have been yeah post terminator oh my lord <laughs> yeah Poor, uh, poor Linda can't Hamilton. Oh my lord! Yeah, I hadn't even really put that together till you said yeah. that. That's true. That's all I can remember. I don't. I'm trying to remember if that was even directed by the same guy or. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, boy, I, I don't. don't need, I don't know any of the details of it. I don't remember anything else. I remember. I've got like snapshot images in my head of some of the scenes in it, and I remember the special effects are nowhere near as good or, or as effective. Because I remember one where something like he charges into power lines or something like oh, that. Oh, God, maybe. And the <laughs> model work looked like the <laughs> yeah. worst Japanese miniature stuff that they used to do. It, it really was not good. Oh, I'm looking it up. It is by the same director. Oh, my God. That's a shame because yeah. I, I really think the 76 is a good movie. But, yeah, yeah the, the sequel, not so much. Oh, oof, yeah. That's a shame. That's why it's not in my top five. Put on my honorable mention, <laughs> just its existence, I guess. And my last real honorable mention that is something that I've seen time and time again, and probably will, is the the uh, the homage to all homages, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors, the King Homer segment. If you get <laughs> okay. if you get paradised on the Simpsons, then you are you are you're solidified in pop culture, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, I really just had one, and I kind of talked about this before, but I, I just feel it, it bears uh, reiterating uh, the comic. Oh, yes. And right, yep. it existed when we found this out when we were doing Kong Month, because as I say, we covered this uh, this comic 
And of course, Chris and I were both covering it um, using the the oversized book and thinking at the time that that's like all there ever was, was that oversized one. But there was one that was like standard comic size as well. And I can't remember. I remember us discussing this, and I don't know if we ever did come to a conclusion or did our homework on it or anything. I really don't remember. So I can't remember now if the regular comic size one was a reprint of the oversize or if the oversize was a, a large printing of the original. I don't know. But all I know is that from when, since I was a kid and I couldn't tell you where I got it or who got it for me or what, I've had that treasury size one and I just I cherish it. Um, it was actually by I was thinking it was Gold Key, but it was Whitman Comics put it out. And the version that I'm talking about, it was just right on the cover. It was called Giant Classic King Kong. But the indicia inside of it um, actually calls it, um, it was, I think it says movie comics. Yeah, movie comics, Hmm. King Kong. So that's, that's like the official name of it. But it is set very much in that world of the thirties, you know, like the original movie. And it's, it's basically, it's a comic book adaptation of the 33 version of the story. Okay. And just done so well. It it's, you know, it's very much in that old timey, uh, comics style. Like you would get from Dell comics or mm, something mm, like okay. that. So, I mean, don't expect, you know, knockout art or anything <laughs> like that. But it does very successfully tell the story. It has dinosaurs, you know, in the Lost World parts and things like that. It, it, I thought it was a really good version. One of the things that always had made this stand out to me, you know, right from when I was a kid, is the cover. The cover's just gorgeous. I couldn't tell you who did it, but it's a beautiful painted cover. Again, in that style, like they used to paint, you know, great comic book covers, like with Dell comics or some of those other, uh, companies that weren't, uh, Marvel or DC and it's Kong. He's standing right on top of the, uh, empire state building. He's got Fay Ray in one hand and he is being surrounded. He's basically being buzzed and pestered by biplanes but with his other hand, he has a biplane in his hand and he's crushing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I see it. <laughs> the, uh, the pilot, you know, very much you know, an old timey biplane pilot, you know, with the big, uh, you know, like riding boots and, uh, and the bomber jacket and the helmet and everything. He's falling to his death out of the plane. Mm. And it's just what a gorgeous right. cover on this thing. It's just great. Yeah. But uh, I always love that. I, it's just it's just a great old comic, um, you know, just a, a, adapting a classic you know, monster story. It's just so much fun, right? That's that does look cool. I'm, I, I've the first I was when you described it earlier. I thought I might have had this, but seeing the pictures of this, I did not have this because this is the first. I, mem- I don't. I have no memory of this. So this does look pretty cool. It continues to amaze me, you know, as as many comic book movie adaptations there were when we were kids you know in in the 70s and 80s you know star wars and indiana jones and all these other movies also noticing the ones that you would think would be no brainers that never got a a comic adaptation um you know this is a big one you know the 76 kong you know i mean there was as you said you know everything from drinking straws to trading cards Never got a comic book. It just seems so weird. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that 
you know, very recently, some of the, the big movies uh, of the 70s and 80s that, uh, that never did get a comic adaptation. I'm wondering if maybe Kong didn't get one because maybe uh, Whitman still had the rights or something be, from the yeah. adaptation that they did or something. I don't know. I just, that's pure speculation. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's just weird. Hmm. Well, okay. Um, I guess we can recap our top five for anyone that is, I'm sure someone out there is writing this down and going to make a giant <laughs> wiki entry over our, over this series, but uh, I'll, I'll go through mine quick. Number five was the Mego deadly King Kong drinking straw. <laughs> the Guilty Pleasure, King Kong Escapes, the 1976 Tops King Kong Trading Cards, the Lost But Not Forgotten Confrontation Attraction at Universal Studios Orlando, and last but not least, the yearly airing of the original 1933 movie King Kong. All right, and recapping mine uh, from five to one, uh, number five, uh, the setting of the Lost World uh kong's kong's homeland i just I, I love that dinosaurs and all i just think that's really cool number four is the 1930s period setting of both the original movie because it was the 30s and the 2005 remake uh going back to that uh time period i you know as much as i'm enamored of the 76 version i think that period setting actually does work the best for the story for kong mm-hmm. Uh, number three, the music of the various incarnations of Kong, in particular the 76 version. I just think that that is uh, one of John Barry's best scores. I really like that. Uh, number two, we're, we're very much in sync. I just said the 76 version, <laughs> just a blanket statement, the 76 version, you know, and all that implies everything from the film itself to those beautiful promo posters that they put okay, out yeah. to the trading cards to everything, but also most definitely – confrontation the ride uh I, I loved confrontation uh just I, I just thought it was great and number one was uh the evolving tragic love story yeah uh, i guess the easiest way to say that i just uh, that's that's a hook for me i'm i'm a hopeless romantic at heart and uh you know you couple that with you know the 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 doomed romance and the the old yeller element of, of Kong <laughs> yeah. and all that it's just yeah it just oh it just tugs the heartstrings you know nice well very good I I do have to follow up on something because I'm sitting here closing out windows as I often have a, about a billion internet windows with every show <laughs> I do and the very first one that I opened was to answer a question you asked and I forgot about it yes the um 2008 fire did wipe out the original Kong attraction. What I want to note is because I never saw this picture before it's an article and it's about King, a new attraction will rise from the ashes, and it's a picture of the poster from 2005. It's the picture of Kong, close up of his face, and and in his hand, where he'd be holding Ann Darrow, they replaced it with one of the trams from the tours, and I think that's hilarious. I've never seen that picture before. <laughs> so it's Kong just sitting there staring, looking pissed off, holding a Universal Studios tram. I've not I seen that. Gonna, I thought you were going to say it was Kong, and he was holding Eddie Murphy. But... Oh, that would be, yeah. <laughs> that, that was for the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> you know now that you say that 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 kind of conjures an image i think i may have seen that I, th- I think that may have been the press image that they sent around it probably is yeah yep because it's a, it's on an article reporting about the 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 loss of the ride and and the idea of the the replacement so it's i'm sure this is uh this is not from universal studios website so it's probably one that was sent out but uh see 2008 so yeah that was post the um 
post the Jackson movie having been out in the yeah. theaters and everything. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. The, after that little, uh, uh, sidetrack there i did want to before i thank you and wrap up the show i wanted you to if if i i as much as we talk about it if if listeners of our shows on news as haven't checked out two true freaks they need to and i want to give the floor to you to let everyone know what they're going to find when they head over to two true freaks.com <laughs> uh, two true freaks.com we just i mean there's so many different shows uh that we cover uh on our network i'm always hesitant to, to start mentioning shows because invariably i'm gonna forget yeah. somebody's shows <laughs> and then you run the risk of somebody writing you later and going hey why didn't you mention my show so i will just encourage people to go and check out uh two true freaks.com um, the show that I am most active on at the moment would be Back to the Bins, uh, which is our weekly show, uh, typically goes out on Saturdays, where uh, myself and uh, my buddies Paul Spataro and Dr. Bill Robinson, we pick random comic book back issues and read them and then just have a, a heck of a lot of fun talking about them, sometimes making fun of them. Uh, trying to point out, you know, why they're awesome, why they're not so awesome, that sort of thing, and just just having a blast, just kind of reconnecting and and falling in love with uh, with the comic book medium all over again. And uh, so I would encourage you that, uh, you know, if you like comics or you like you know the characters that you're seeing on the big screen uh, in any of the comic book movies coming out, uh, come check us out at Back to the Bins. I, I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's always a lot of fun, no matter what crazy thing we're talking about. Yep. And we have a ton of tangents. So. <laughs> I listen every week, and I'm to the point now where I listen multiple times a week, and I'm well caught up to the 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 most recent things, and I'm going backwards now and enjoying that. In fact, I've now uncovered so far, and I'm sure uh, this will be top the. The funniest thing I think you've said, what I've heard so far, uh, it was it's way back there. It's, it was you, Paul, and Mike Bailey, and you were talking about the issue of the Hulk that Paul actually got a letter published in. I don't know if this is ringing any bells. Mm, well, not so far. I'll, I'll tell you what you said. It, it, it made it really funny. Paul said it was it was probably the worst written letter he'd ever sent to Marvel, and that's what they published. And then you just broke into a very bad not even a paul impression just like a i like hulk because he's green i like hulk because he smashes can you have hulk smash something green thank you paul i was dying when, when i heard that, you say that, that sound like something i would say <laughs> yeah. so yeah that show is is a lot is is absolutely a lot of fun and that if if people that people that are listening to this that that know me should know this i i don't know a lot about comics i would like to i don't so to listen to almost i will get through the entire run of back to the bins with no pre-knowledge of if if, uh, any of the books you're talking about i'm still really enjoying it so i mean it's it's you do such good coverage it's such a good conversation that i absolutely encourage people to check out back to the bins maybe use that as your jumping off point and then really dive into what two true freaks has because it is one of my favorite podcast networks i'm not just saying that because scott is my friend i actually discovered the network (laughs) first and then met scott so scott was secondary to the network thank you very much that is high praise i appreciate (laughs) that very much yep i mean it so well that is a about it i certainly hope and this all falls on me is that this is not the last time we hear your voice on news as i will make oh, sure that I, I happens so too. Yep. and uh <laughs> yeah i just uh yeah the, 
Yeah, there's so many things we could have you on. I don't even know know where to begin. I just got to follow through on it. But I, I certainly hope, if, if if nothing else, the next time we hear you is you and I discussing the new ride at Universal because that is something I want to check out with yeah. you, especially after doing this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's not it's not far from when we're recording, and it's really not far from the release because I'm actually going to sit on this till we get closer to the time to help. You know, when when Kong is on everyone's mind, I want to put this out there to be found when people search. Yes, that is uh, riding their coattails, and I fully admit it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's right. If we're not going to get paid for this, we're at least going to get get the uh, kick out of people seeing people download it. Because <laughs> otherwise, there's not a whole lot to this. Well, let, let me ask you something real quick. If we if we have the time here, yeah, absolutely. Um, initially. And I had to go back and reread just to just to make sure. Initially, what I thought you were asking me on this was top five things uh, I I hope to see on the new ride. Now, now for time reasons, we probably don't want to do another another five. But just just off the top of your head, what are you most hopeful for? for seeing on this new attraction? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? With all the news that re- they're releasing of these creatures and the animatronics, I'm hoping to see a form or a, a, a new technology in animatronics I've not seen yet. I, I don't know how to quantify that because it, you know, if it doesn't exist, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm hoping to see something right. I've never seen before in an animatronic character on this ride. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. What about you? My biggest thing is you you know me i'm big on theme parks i'm big on history i'm I'm really big and this is more i think i think this is more of a disney thing than a universal thing although correct me if i'm wrong i think universal has done this at least a few times in recent years i'm really big on kind of passing the baton acknowledging the past kind of attraction easter eggs oh yeah they are yep yep Yep. So I'm really hoping, and and I, I'm really in a in a strange kind of way. It's one of those things I both want to see it from the first ride, and I also want to have to hunt for it and ride it over and over again to find it. So I'm I'm you know I'm I, I want it. I want my cake and eat it too. But I'm hoping that there is at least an Easter egg, maybe multiple Easter eggs that reference confrontation. That just, would be cool. Just yep. some acknowledgement of what we had before you know what i mean and i, and I love stuff like that well I, I think universal is probably as big on that as disney it's just universal is just now and i'm talking in in large terms let's say in the past 10 years now closing original rides and repurposing them whereas disney's been open much longer so th- that's true too yeah it, it really the, the one where it really stands out the most is back to the future when doc brown actually makes an appearance in the ride video i mean it's a, a simpson eyes right. but it's it's uh it's christopher lloyd and it explains <laughs> what happened to the ride so and 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 there's all kinds of stuff uh that's a i don't know what kind of jaws fan you are but there's tons of stuff in diagon alley that if you look for you will find references to jaws in diagon alley all right now we need to go to Diagon okay. because <laughs> I I don't remember seeing any so that's that's very funny. Yeah. Now the biggest one uh, the easiest one I should say to, to find is there is a group of shrunken heads in Nocturne Alley that sing they sing like about 10 to 15 second little jingles then they pause for 30 seconds and and sing again but in that rotation if you stand there and wait they will break into a da dum 
that's cool yep so that's the easiest one to find other ones are a lot more subtle than that but they're there they're there we should we need to get together and go through that yes yes we do that would be yeah i would really like that cool because i I love stuff like that i really do well, cool. I guess that about wraps it up. This is the longest King Kong conversation I've had in my <laughs> life, but as long as it was, the time flew by. That was a lot of fun. That was a blast. So, yeah, I want to thank you, Scott, for joining me. And uh, I, I know we're going to hear from you again on other shows, but certainly we're going to pick this conversation up after we rode, after we road ride, whatever you say, after we've been on, let's say that, uh, <laughs> Skull Island Reign of Kong. So. Uh, Until then, I'll say to everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you once again, Scott. And we'll see everyone in the next episode of Bestifies. Bye.